0: Good day to all our colleagues in the retail and allied industries. I'm Raf Layosa, founder and CEO of Retailgate Technologies and managing director of Innovation One Digital Marketing. Welcome to another episode of the country's premier retail podcast, Let's Talk Retail. Now, the retail industry has weathered numerous crises over the years, yet Business-minded leaders like our esteemed guest today have not allowed any crisis to deter them from pivoting and providing exceptional care to their customers. They have consistently met customer needs, making their lives easier. This resilience underscores the significance of the retail sector. Now, before we delve into this innovative episode, I would like to kindly remind you to subscribe to the PRA YouTube channel or follow us on Spotify. By doing so, you will never miss an episode. Now, let's meet our guest. He is the co-founder and chairman of Edamama, the Philippines' premier online to offline parenting platform. Now, since its launch in 2020, Edamama has secured over $35 million in funding from prominent investors. He also serves as an advisor to Credor, a, a $2 billion US private equity firm, and has previously overseen the growth of retail focused portfolio companies in Malaysia and the Philippines. Please give a warm welcome to Nishant D'Souza. Hi, Nishant. Hey, Raf. Great to be here. And uh, hello to all our guests. Hey, thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Nishant. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're busy what, with this rapidly growing company of yours, Edamama. I mean, it's it's truly amazing. I mean, right smack during the pandemic, you launched this innovative company. And just what, three years down the line, you are already where a lot of others wish they could have been and wish they where they are now after how many years. And perhaps before we get into the whole story of it, I want to really understand what was it like back in 2020 given... Of course, the climate. Everything. Everyone was afraid. Businesses were were at the threat of 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 uh, closing down. People losing jobs. We're all locked in. How did you find that inspiration, that determination to actually start? And that's a big bold move, I would say, right in the middle of the pandemic. What was it like? And how did it happen?
1: That's a great question, Raf. And uh, you know, I think a lot of people. Uh, tell us that. It's like, wow, you started in the middle of the pandemic. Uh, you're so versatile. You were so quick to react. You know, e-commerce obviously uh, caught the tailwind of the pandemic, right? There was a big boom. Mm-hmm. And the truth be told is that, you know, clearly uh, my my co-founder, Bella, and myself, uh, who happens to be my life partner, as well as my business partner, uh, I mean, we, we are no crystal ball, right? We mm-hmm. didn't see a pandemic coming and uh the the concept of edamama and the platform was actually under development for probably about a year before we launched and we launched mm. in may 2020 right at the, the heart of the ecq and so uh, i guess what we saw was uh oh i guess what we anticipated was an opportunity that was uh, independent of the pandemic right which was uh the opportunity to help filipinos across the country get access to quality affordable goods and services in a very convenient way so delivered uh, digital first uh, but I think from from day one we always saw the offline opportunity and and so uh, Bella actually was spending the most time uh, focused on developing the platform the technology behind uh, I had another job at the time in the retail space which I can I can share more on uh, and we were set to launch in March 2020. So by that mm-hmm. point, uh, you know, I took a step back as well from my from my job. We saw a big opportunity. We said, hey, let's go all in on this. Uh, and then as luck would have had it, the lockdowns hit, right? So uh, we had to push back our launch by a couple of months. Uh, you know, this was right. And uh, we're talking about now March 2020, uh, you know, the, the height of the first uh, enhanced community quarantine here, right, uh, ECQ. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a lot of uncertainty. So, uh, you know, we spent the first couple of months uh, just building the community. Uh, you know, we had already made a decision to to launch the business. Uh, we had uh, onboarded uh, the, the founding team at that point. We had raised a small angel round. So for us, there was, uh, you know, there's no turning back, right? We were still mm-hmm. going to give it a shot. And I guess uh, two, two aspects at play. One, we, we saw the opportunity to actually help uh, Filipino moms and dads at a time when um, there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of unpredictability. You know, I mean, back in, in in March, April, May, 2020, no one knew what was going on with the pandemic. There was certainly mm-hmm. no vaccine on the horizon. Uh, you know, people were dying, right? Especially older people, but
0: mm-hmm. uh,
1: and those with with uh, sort of a, a, a heightened uh, risks. But at the same time, we didn't really know what would be the long-term effect on children, on babies, uh, expecting mothers, right? And so uh, we'd like to think that we were able to actually provide a service to parents around the country to give them access to these uh, authentic, reliable, uh, essential products, uh, right? Uh, Whether it's day-to-day essentials or even uh, uh, items like uh, fashion and and, uh, accessories, uh, without leaving their homes in a safe way, uh, the convenience of uh, having uh, uh, products drop to their doorstep uh, and then minimizing risks uh, to themselves and to their families. Right. Uh, at the same time, of course, it was a really challenging operating environment. I mean, uh, we had uh, people we also had to look after Right. at the end of the day. Yes. So putting in very strict safety protocols, safety processes in our warehouse, uh, you know, business continuity plans. What if somebody got COVID? How would, how would we operate, right? Given uh, others might also have to isolate. How do mm-hmm. you shift uh, so that you you ensure business continuity and we serve our customers? Uh, so there were a lot of considerations, but, you know, when you're in the thick of it, you just have to react on your feet. Um, yeah. And that's what we did. And um, I, I think uh, we, we, we got a, a head start as a result of that, but we're also able to to benefit a lot of people in the process, which is, uh, the best outcome, I think.
0: Yes. And I I love that. I mean, I love how you really, uh, as you mentioned that you, when you're in the thick of it, you just really have to think on your feet, right. And, and decide on the fly and, and really just get things going. You know, I can imagine that time there, I mean, just I can imagine the dilemma. You're just starting and then you're already thinking about business continuity. Like what kind of a problem is that when you just started, it's once it's already a, a monster in itself to get a business to start running, but then you're already worrying about continuity and making sure things keep on running, given all the uncertainties now. And I'm sure this is all actually coming from. A strong conviction, right? A strong conviction, a strong inspiration that is really, I would assume, do let me know, right? Uh, what uh, that actually kept you going despite all the challenges, despite all the uncertainties? There must have been something that was really pushing you every day in the middle of that, of the pandemic. Despite all the challenges, of course, it, we never saw the pandemic coming. It was a challenge that we never saw in our business plans, right? So, what was that? Uh, what yeah, that, was that that's inspiration a, for you?
1: Yeah, that's a that's a great that's a great question, Raf. You know, I mean, it's a, one to to reflect on, right? Uh, I think number one is uh, obviously again the the opportunity for Adama uh, was something that we we saw even before the pandemic. Uh, you know, we, we decided to take a digital first approach because we saw a gap in the e-commerce landscape here. Mm. Uh, you know, you had uh, sort of a lot of goods uh, being uh, sold online that, uh, you know, were fake, inauthentic, uh, you know, it's very tough as a parent to find everything all in one place, uh, you know, a uh, uh, reliable, but um, uh, still wide assortment of products at uh, different price points and different categories. And so, I think that thesis didn't change, right? during the pandemic. In fact, the opportunity became even more urgent, even mm. more important because a lot of people couldn't shop offline, you know and were too anxious to shop offline. Yes. So I think number one, the 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 vision and the motivation uh, behind providing trusted products and services to Filipinos uh, in an expanded way, uh, continue to drive us number 2 the mission got even more urgent as a digital first business mm-hmm. because again offline it was a lot tougher for people to 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 step outside their house there was very very stringent restrictions in terms of uh, you know how many how often you could step out how many people could shop at any given time a lot of stores were shut down right um, and then number three, so, so I guess uh, being motivated by, by serving uh, our customers right and, and making an impact and making a difference in people's lives by providing this uh, this service. Um, uh, and a lot of essential products, right? like uh, diapers, food and nutrition products, uh, bathing and grooming products, right, which are uh, uh, parents needed day to day for uh, the, the, of course their babies, their kids, but also for their household, also for themselves. Uh, and then finally also to our people, right? I mean, uh, it wasn't just the two of us at that time, uh, Bella and myself, we had, uh, recruited a small team, uh, right. We, we already had people's livelihoods, uh, that, uh, were dependent on us. Right. And, um, uh, so we said, look, we, we owe it to the vision, the, the, the opportunity we saw, we owe it to our customers. We owe it to our people to, to give this a shot, um, and, and see where it goes. Right. And, and, uh, uh thankfully, we saw a lot of early traction uh, after mm. we launched in, in May 2020 on Mother's Day, May 2020. Perfect. And we were soon able to, by the end of that year, uh, get the first check for our institutional funding round, right? Which uh, then set us up to uh, to sort of expand further and build the business further.
0: I love that. and And from what you were saying, I think you pretty much found yourself in the middle of the perfect storm that pretty much catapulted you to where you guys are now. Uh, But I hope you don't mind. I'd love to really get to it now. That conviction seems very strong. And and I love how you considered all different facets as you were going along. But what was that aha moment for you when you were just in the phase of conceptualizing Edomama before you got into the launch plans and operationalizing everything even before you're going to uh, to the investors right what was that aha moment that made you realize that this is an actual need you, know, you did mention the need was already there you already saw the need for it even before the yeah. pandemic came the pandemic simply accelerated it and, and you really found yourself in that perfect storm uh, and where from which you as emerged the victor, right? But what was that aha moment before 2020 uh, that actually really brought you to yeah what Edamama is today?
1: An- another another great question, Raf. I mean, look, the at the end of the day, the inspiration behind Edamama is our two children. Now uh, we've got uh, 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 two kids: a ten-year-old girl, a five-year-old boy. Now. Uh, right, who uh, were the inspiration behind uh, Adamama. Um I guess the pain points we were solving were our our own to start off with, right? We weren't uh, dreaming up uh, something else, or we didn't have to do kind of like market research to find the gap in the market and things like that, right? I mean, it was as simple as parents of uh, two young children, uh, you know. So back then they were obviously much younger, going back sort of four years uh, uh, now. Um, and one story kind of encapsulates it. Our son was born in, uh, you know, late 2017. Uh, I guess back when our daughter was born in 2013, uh, e-commerce wasn't as big. And uh, I think maybe also uh, Bella and myself are much younger. We weren't quite as deliberate uh, as parents in terms of sort of seeking out, um, you know, a, a uh, different kind of goods and and uh, products for our for our for our kids and doing a lot of thoughtful research behind that and things like that right we got a lot as gifts and and but with with number two we were i think a lot more present a lot more thoughtful i said okay look we we were young and anxious first time round you know a little bit more seasoned parents second time round and so a lot more uh, i think uh, thoughtful about parenting and so that's at that point when we started kind of like looking around i think both online and offline we saw that either products were, uh, you know, branded, uh, but, you know, tend to be imported, very expensive. Uh, you know, a lot of the average, uh, your average Filipino might not be able to to afford it. I mean, even uh, ourselves, uh, we, we found a lot of it very pricey, right? Even if you compare the same product to uh, um, what you get in, in the US or Australia or wherever. But number two, you would you'd find products that were very affordable, very cheap, but uh, you know, not very reliable. You know, a lot of it was uh, sort of cross-border generic merchandise that might have been dumped oh. from from China, right? And or, uh, uh, but of course, you know, there's there's a lot of quality products as well made in China, but uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff that uh, uh, you know doesn't have uh, any kind of uh, assurances, certifications, uh, and that you would be hesitant to try for your for your for your uh, child, right? And one particular story, and I guess, was the aha moment, was when uh, you know we went to one of the the online platforms at the time, and we ordered. Uh, we were trying to find um, a, a certain um, a product for our for our son, which was this stroller come tricycle. You know, so it, the kid could pedal and uh, sort of uh, uh, get a workout, uh, and you know, at, at an early stage, learn how to how to pedal a bike and at the same time if uh, he or she got tired you could as a parent uh you know push the stroller right and and so it had a it had a lot of good reviews online um you know it we paid a fair price for it and uh, uh yet when we ordered the product it was delivered to our doorstep firstly i think it was delivered probably two or three weeks later than we we ordered right we i think we might have even forgotten it was coming oh, nice.
0: uh, when
1: it finally when it finally came it was in this box of nuts and bolts with no operating manual to put it together, oh, so we gosh. had no clue. Uh, Bella at the time just uh, you know, chucked the box at me, said, oh, Nish, figure this out. I, I took one look at it. I, I mean, I, I'm an engineer by background, but I, I, I know my limitations. I was like, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not getting into this. I outsourced it to our, our driver <laughs> who took, <laughs> I think, half a day to put it together and yet when even after it was put together right uh, uh you know if you put your kid on it and you 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 shook it slightly left slightly right it was unstable it would topple over and then to oh, add to oh. it there was like a nut a couple of uh, uh, bolts rather sticking out from the side that could actually scratch your your child right and and so it's at that point i think it was the aha moment where we said wow you know there's there's either like this expensive branded stuff there's this you know obviously clearly a lot of uh uh, cheap stuff that uh, is not very trustworthy out there, right? Um, and uh, there's very little in between, you know, and uh, there must be an easier way to uh, both source and uh, uh, distribute uh, and provide access to products that are affordable, that are creative, uh, you know, but are still kind of authentic and and, and quality, right? Uh, and that was the, the core vision for Edamama, right? So we, we started out with, uh, that that vision to to firstly aggregate um, the best products in the market all in one place and in a in an extremely convenient way be able to deliver them to to customers right with a high quality uh, customer experience um, and then number two uh, understanding what was out there understanding where the gaps in the market were uh, both pricing and assortment wise and then looking to ourselves start bringing in and launching our own products right whether they were private label cross border brands to help plug those gaps for our customers right
0: oh. um,
1: and so that's really how edemama uh, evolved that was the aha moment
0: and uh, uh here we are today i love that i mean that that is clearly an aha moment and just like what they say the the best ideas come from real real life problems that and pain points that you actually experience yourself and I love it while I was listening to you I was just thinking, oh I can't find it might as well do it myself <laughs> I mean that's pretty much what it what it was but I'm very curious now as I understand uh, you relocated to the Philippines around in 2012, right? And of course, we, you found that gap, and just like uh, we we see these experience, we we see these gaps in the market, or we even have our own pain points day to day. But I want to understand, of course, given your experience in in other countries, uh, in 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 your past, um, in your past uh, work, in your career, what was it that you saw in the Philippine market that made it worth? that of course, that risk, right? To actually go out there and say, I want to solve this gap. I want to solve this problem. What did you see in the Philippine market that made it worth it?
1: Yeah, great. Another great question. I mean, I guess you've got to take a step back to why we are, you know, in the Philippine market to start off with, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, clearly from, from my accent, you can you can probably tell I'm not uh, Filipino, right? Uh, mm-hmm. But we've adopted the Philippines as home. As you mentioned, we've been here since uh, 2012. By the end of this year, it will be um, uh, 12 years, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think what draw, you know, we moved, my, my background was not uh, an entrepreneur, was not even in tech, right, to start. Uh, I, I was an engineer by trading, I went to business school in the US, uh, moved to becoming a uh, a project developer and uh, investor in the uh, in the power and energy space, right? So I spent a couple of years uh, developing and uh, financing power plants across Southeast Asia. Uh, you know, was briefly in Singapore and Vietnam for about a year and a half before moving to the Philippines completely by accident. Um, my my company asked me to, uh, uh, which was a, a power company I was working with at the time, asked me to move here to, to help expand a power plant they owned. And coming to the Philippines just fell in love with the, the country and its people, you know, and so, uh, you know, moved here from from Vietnam. Vietnam's a wonderful country, right? But I think the ability to, to just forge personal and professional connections here, uh, you know, everyone's so warm, so friendly, everybody spoke English. Right, the economy at that point was uh, uh, very hot. Right, Philippines is one of the fastest growing countries in Asia, if not the world. Uh, and there was so much to be built. Right, mm. I mean, yet despite all of these fundamentals, right, high literacy, people who are um, uh, you know English speaking, um, uh, the economy growing so fast, uh, there were so many gaps to solve. Right, for the mm. for the Filipino consumer in infrastructure, which is what brought, brought me here. And uh, so many uh, aspects of um, uh, the economy that had been developed in the likes of Australia or the US or or sort of other markets, but uh, was still very nascent here, right? And so that's what I think sparks the entrepreneurial passion and excitement to say, hey, you know, you can be a change maker here, right? You can be the, 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 you know, bringing some of the, Uh, management insights and experience from other markets here and understanding how to adapt that to a local context with the local consumer mindset, Um, uh, you know, you can move the needle on impact here a a lot more than you could if you were, say, uh, uh, working in Silicon Valley, right, or working in Sydney. And and so... uh, that's the opportunity we saw, you know, that's the opportunity that that kept us here. And then so we moved on from uh, sort of corporate jobs that we had over the years and uh, started uh, Edamama. Before that, we had both um, uh, run startups and uh, for for other people, right, with the uh, father majority investors. Uh, and so we had that uh, experience to, uh, to, to sort of leverage off. Uh, and uh, uh then um uh, you know apply towards our own our own baby uh, if you will right our third baby we've got one on the way now so we're completing the oh logo. congratulations thank you thank you but Edamama is uh yeah you could say Edamama was a uh, third baby
0: uh, uh right before that mm-hmm. yes <laughs> yeah I, I love that i mean i i, I sorry i got to admit i got distracted congratulations on the third on, on the on the coming baby that you're expecting um uh, Anyway, but that's very interesting. I mean, I I love how you mentioned the key that you really looked into was looking at the experience that you've seen in other markets and bringing that and localizing that in the market. But I want to unpack that further. That's actually, I'm sure there's a lot to be said about that. But what were the key principles or the fundamentals that you 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 actually held on to or that you really applied in order to localize something that you've seen actually works in other countries because as we know there's no there what could work in another market might not necessarily work here so what did it take for you to localize these key things that you found in other markets
1: yeah again great question you know i mean if you take something as for example, uh, 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 performance uh-uh. management, right? Uh-uh. Um, I mean, if you if you look at the States, you look at, uh, you know, some other markets, i right? say, okay, look, you know, we got to set these KPIs, these other goals, they have to be measurable, they have to be actionable. And then, uh, you know, you communicate them down to your people and then uh, you've got to hit these KPIs and, and that's how you succeed. And uh, that's how... I, I guess you create a meritocracy, right? so the mm-hmm. the, the, the for example, the um uh, the element of meritocracy and performance management that uh, you know has been taught in business schools all over the the west, certainly, right. and when I mean, you come to the Philippines, you realize that you know relationships matter, right? I think Absolutely. relationships are very important. Um, and you know, if you took those principles and you just said, okay, you know, team. Here's uh this is X Y and Z. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to hit. Uh, you know, I'm gonna check back with you in a month, right? Uh, there probably wouldn't be too many of them around. Uh, you know, in that in that month, right? Yes. I think, um, it's kind of like when you say, sink or swim, and uh, you know, you, you've gotta you've gotta like just deliver, and and you don't you don't kind of invest uh, first and foremost in the connection, right?
0: Oh.
1: Having those personal connections, developing those personal relationships. Uh, you know, having a, a, a community-oriented mindset, right? And so, that is uh, an example of, um, I guess, having to localize certain management frameworks, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, here you can you can still absolutely be uh, very meritocratic, be very driven, create a very high-performing organization, uh, but you you put relationships first, right? And um, you sort of. Uh, Work on cultivating those, creating trust and safety within your team, you know, across your colleagues, um, and then you push towards that API and common goal and 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 achieve it together, right? Um, so, uh, so yeah, that's uh, I, hope, I hope that's kind of illustrative of uh, some of the uh, some of the things we've had to uh, adapt to on the ground.
0: Yeah, I mean, I love that. i mean, I'm sure that's easier said than done, especially considering. Uh, It's a completely different environment, different culture, different people. And most importantly, you were right smack in the middle of the pandemic. So I can't imagine uh, what it was like operationally on a day-to-day basis. But now looking at where we are now and where Edamama is, right? Edamama has now become the leading a uh, e uh, the the leading parenting focused e commerce platform in the Philippines. Now, what were the key strategies that you really practiced and you really employed day by day, uh, through the years since you started back in 2020? That would you would actually say is what led Edamama to what it is today.
1: That's a great uh, that's a great question. So I guess firstly, you know, we were the right place at the right time. Uh, Mm -hmm. having said that the pandemic has obviously receded over the last year or two, uh, and, and e-commerce continues to grow very fast in this country, right? I Mm -hmm. mean, this year, Philippines would be the fastest growing e-commerce market in the world. It probably was last year as well. Uh, 90% plus of, uh, retail sales are still happening offline so, uh, I mean, if you look at at, at some other markets, I mean, China certainly is probably you know forty percent plus at this point, right? Um, uh, a lot of our neighbors uh, in uh, Southeast Asia alone, likes of Singapore or Thailand, I mean, you're well into double double digits in terms of online retail penetration. So, I think, firstly, you know, pick a market that is underserved and that you see a lot of growth potential in, uh, which is which is what we did. Um, second uh you know people talk about product market fit right oh you when you when you get something to market there's a lot of traction early you know you've hit kind of product market fit uh have strong unit economics but i i think what edamama had which is a secret ingredient is management market fit right mm-hmm. and uh edamama well of course we serve all parents right um at the end of the day we we all know as uh uh filipinos here the the mama, uh, the, the the mom, is the chief household decision maker. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, uh, and at the end of the day, that's that's kind of like our target market, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: at Edamama, I mean, I would say I'm uh, I'm a, a, a minority, right, in terms of being a, a male in management. Uh, uh, Bale always jokes that I'm you know I'm one of the diversity hires, right? <laughs> but uh, you know, eighty percent of our, our management team is is women.
0: Oh. And
1: uh, pretty much all in customer-facing roles are moms. Oh. So, uh, you know, clearly Bela is a mom. She she handles that whole uh, part of the, the portfolio of the business, uh, the customer-facing side. Uh, you know, a head of uh, marketing is a mom, a head of brand is a mom, a head of, of uh, uh, business development is a mom who's getting all of the merchandise onto the platform, uh, head of customer experience is a mom, right? And so I think, firstly, that that gave us a, a very strong understanding of the cons- of the customer, an understanding of uh, the market and and consumer insights. And because many ways, uh, you don't have to uh, uh, guess. There's no guesswork around what the customer needs and wants, right? You just think as a customer, and mm. uh, you you therefore uh, execute, uh, uh, you know, in line with uh, how you think, right? So so that was one one aspect that worked very well for us. Uh the next aspect I think is investing in community early, uh, you know, building community early. This is a long-term moat, uh, right? So, I, you know, even when we 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 had the ECQ and we had a pushback, our launch date, we ended up for over two months running a campaign on Facebook called hashtag happy at home, where we just served as, a, a, I guess, a companion to parents uh, during those early uncertain days of the pandemic. Uh, you know, we would host uh, talks with um, with doctors or or uh, sort of uh, moms, uh, experts on certain topics. Uh, you know, we had classes, we had uh, uh, you know even exercise related uh, videos and activities. and um, you know, so very early on started building this this community of uh, very engaged followers that uh, today is, is probably approaching a uh, half a million across our various social channels. And if you take into account our own database, right, uh, over a million. And, uh, you know, th- this creates a lot of network effects because you now have uh, customers that are uh, uh, sort of uh, talking to each other, right? There's word of mouth referrals. They're coming to Edamama, not just to shop, but also to connect with each other, also for the content. That we we generate, which is a lot of educational content. Uh, we've got uh, through our discover uh, feature on the app, uh, through our connect feature on the app, uh, you can connect with other uh, like-minded parents and moms. We host um, chats with uh, with doctors, with uh, celebrity mamas, right, and things like that, and other experts. And so this has created a lot of stickiness with the customer base and a lot of uh, loyalty to to Edmama as a platform. Uh, that uh, again has propelled us forward, right? Uh, and I guess the the next couple are are you know just being very obsessed about the customer, right? And just oh. uh, customer obsession is probably a a term that's uh, I think it was first popularized maybe by Amazon, but thrown out there a lot today. But uh, it, it really is something that is uh, um, uh, you know worth obsessing over, right? Uh, and, and so really keeping the focus on the customer at all times. If they have any issues with their delivery, trying to have that resolved in a speedy manner. We've got customer service agents, again, mostly moms that uh, sort of help resolve these issues. Um, uh, And and so, you know, we we try to create a very high quality customer experience by having uh, a, a very intuitive, seamless, neat app. Uh, and at the same time, having a very uh, uh, sort of a effective uh, fulfillment experience, right? And, and, and delivery experience, right? Um, and then finally, resolving bottlenecks fast. So I think once you've built your business plan, right? And you, you've said, okay, I'm going to hit these milestones in six months. Uh, it's about making sure you have the infrastructure, the systems and processes to achieve those goals. And you're rolling them out uh, in advance, uh, right? So that you're not bottlenecking yourself when you get to a certain level of scale. Um, uh, what do I mean? For example, warehousing, you know, we started uh, with a 100 square meter room on the second level of a compound in uh, uh, in, in Metro Manila. Uh, I mean, today we have a 6,000 square meter warehouse, uh, you know, and we're, we're all, you're already kind of like bumping up against the uh, capacity limits there, right? And, uh, but making sure that you're you're expanding. I mean, in between we had to we went from 100 to 200 to 400 to 2,000, and so continuing to ensure that you have this um, uh, this this runway ahead of you. Uh, your tech is being uh, debottlenecked. You know, I mean, you you end up building layers of code over code, and then it comes to a point where you know, you have a big sale and at midnight uh, customers can't get in. The app is crashing because, uh, you know, you you're, uh, can't take uh, so many customers at the same time. So you're going to take a step back and now kind of like refactor code and then streamline your app. Uh, so, so ensuring that you're you're continuing to kind of address these challenges as you scale is, um, is critical. Um, and so, uh, yeah, uh, right place, right time, management market fit. Uh, investing in community early, obsessing over your customers, resolving bottlenecks fast.
0: I love that. I mean, the way you said it essentially is really, you said right place, right time, where to play, mentioned management, market fit, essentially getting the right team, get the right places, right people in the right places. And you said also investing in community, getting obsessed in the people and, Uh, essentially, agility in innovation and implementation. I love that. And that really shows us, actually, the heart that you have. I love how you mentioned, actually, that the people, the management are actually uh, moms and themselves. And I love how that actually shows the authenticity in that very principle of being obsessed with the customer, right? And now, of course, with these key strategies in place, from a management perspective, it's always, uh, it, it could be sometimes too easy to talk about these things, but getting them consistently run on the ground all the way down through the, as, as you especially as you scale, as you grow, as you grow your organization, as more and more people come in and join the organization, how do you keep these strategies intact and the principles behind them to make sure that, as you go through the process, as you go through it day by day, nothing would be sacrificed. How do you make sure of that?
1: Yeah, great uh, great question, Raf. Um, you know, I, I think you do get to a point in your organizational evolution where you got to take a step back, right? And um, uh, sort of say, okay, have we got the right processes, the right foundation in place uh, to scale up fast Uh, again, right? And I I think, you know, you can go from zero to one pretty quickly, you know, you can go from one to 10, uh, again, pretty quickly. But when you start trying to go from, okay, 10 to 100, or like, you know, 100 to 1000, there's very different challenges at play, right? And uh, it starts with, um, you know, multiple facets, right? I mean, so one is people, I think uh, you know you have to you have to constantly evaluate right uh, is the 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 team you have uh, from a zero to one for the zero to one phase the same team that will be able to scale with you when you go one to ten ten to one hundred I mean they may be awesome very loyal fantastic people right but uh, it takes certain specialized more specialized skill sets very often oh. as you scale. To, to be able to to get to that next level right And so I think uh, step by step like getting in that uh, uh, you know that specialized skill set right recruiting that specialized skill set often very is, is faster than kind of like uh, building it from within making a lot of mistakes along the way burning a lot more money right than you you otherwise would. Um, so that's number one getting in the right uh, the right people right uh, to preserve that momentum uh, that you are talking about right. Uh, two is is the um, uh, making sure that, uh, f- that the company is set up structurally to preserve those principles and and, and generate success right and so uh, you've you've got the right you can have the right people but they have to be in the right structure within the organization you know interplaying with the right stakeholders in the right reporting lines to kind of um, ensure efficiencies um next having the right, systems and processes, right? So documenting, oh. documenting all of these aspects, right? Putting in uh, service level agreements, right? SLAs uh, internally and externally saying, okay, you know, uh, what does it mean by customer obsession? Okay, we will get, um, you know, a customer, uh, his or her delivery within, uh, you know, X days if they live in the province, right? Or mm-hmm. uh, uh, within, uh X day if they live in in Metro Manila, right? I mean, we are really looking to try to 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 do the majority of our deliveries uh, same day or next day uh, in the in the in the coming uh, in the coming months, right? And so uh, having these KPIs quantified uh, is is very important, right? And and then finally, when you have the right people, you know, sort of placed in the organization in 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 the right structure. With the right processes, the right systems to to facilitate interactions between those people and and uh, and customers, of course, outside of the organization, the product of that is culture, right? And so, uh, creating that culture of uh, high performance, of customer obsession, of uh, meritocracy, um, and a fun at the end of the day, right? I mean, you want to look forward to, to to coming to work. You you want to come to work in a setting that uh you know uh, you don't have to deal with politics and it's not a toxic environment and it's fun for everyone to kind of uh, deliver these results together. Uh that's uh that, that's that's what we uh, live by.
0: I love that. And now what now that we're we're seeing where Edamama is, right? Um and recently especially one of the, the bold feats that we've seen from Edamama is that you've actually managed to shift from online to offline i mean i love that because normally what you would expect it's the other way around right offline to online our offline uh uh, especially with the pandemic uh, a lot of our offline retailers found themselves having to shift very rapidly actually to online and of course that's an operational nightmare in and of itself but the other way around, how exactly were you able to do that? And what really spurred that for you when you already have a strong growth of business online? And I love that you mentioned you already get gearing up for next date or same day delivery, that's amazing. But then now you're moving from online to offline. What spurred that and what did it take for you to take that big bold shift as well?
1: Yeah. So, so, Raf, I think uh, Edamama from day one was always conceptualized as an online to offline play. We, I would say e-commerce was the entry strategy because it was a, a clear gap that we saw uh, in the market mm-hmm. and we wanted to plug. And we, we thought starting off online gives you tremendous reach, right? I mean, without having to open stores all over the country... Uh, You could service uh, customers from, uh, you know, uh, Ilagan in the north to Iligan in the south and everywhere in between, right, from our uh, sort of centrally located warehouse uh, here in Metro Manila. And of course, as we scale, we can see if it makes sense to open more warehouses. Uh, So so I think from day one, though, we we said, okay, e-commerce is a great entry strategy. It gives you nationwide impact, brand awareness, community building at scale early on. But at the end of the day, I think, you know, my background had been retail before Edamama. Uh, I was the country head of Mr. DIY, uh, which is one of the largest home improvement retailers in Asia. Um, I've also run retail businesses in in Malaysia uh, concurrently, and so I think... uh, I was very aware of the the power of uh, offline retail and the reach of offline retail, right? I mean, 90, again, ninety percent plus of sales in of oh. retail sales in this country are happening offline. Um, you know, the mall is a place that uh, people go to here, uh, not just to shop, but uh, to connect with community, right? It's a it's a family event. You go with your family. You enjoy the aircon. You go to the mm-hmm, cinema. Yes. You eat. Right and 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 so malls are really uh, you know Filipinos being very community oriented, very uh, socially minded. Uh, we we didn't want to ignore the the offline retail experience, uh, whether it was in malls or even outside of malls. And so so from day one, I think we uh, we we looked at Edamama as uh, online to offline. This was kind of on the back of my own uh, personal retail experience. Uh, we've of course brought on board um, uh, you know a very strong team. Uh, uh which who has uh proven uh, offline retail experience um, at the same time there are a lot of commonalities right i mean when you talk about uh, warehousing the, the inventory management uh you know even the creative side of uh marketing and so on i mean there's a lot of functions that are uh, and even even dealing with our suppliers right so there's a lot of functions that are shared that can be shared at the back end mm-hmm. whereas on the front end of course uh, we are now opening offline storefronts. We are capturing, uh, you know, a, a share now of that 90% plus of, of uh, sales that happens offline. Uh, and um, I think the, the the biggest also motivator is from the standpoint of the customer, right? You want them to uh, uh, maximize convenience when you're shopping with Edamama. And so for us, it's not a question of being either online or offline it's a question of serving our customer wherever they are. So oh, whether yeah, they are, it's the yeah. end of a day, it's 10 p.m. You know, it's a long day. They're in for some retail therapy. They want to get on their the mobile app and and pick up uh, some essentials for the household or uh, or a gift for their child or their uh, uh, sort of uh, uh, friends' uh, birthday, uh, or they're in the mall on a weekend, uh, right? And they're with their family and they're shopping and uh, socializing. So I think uh sort of creating that omni-channel seamless online to offline experience maximizing convenience for the customer was was key from from day one um and uh so we're very much focused on the offline rollout of our stores uh, over the next
0: couple of years yes i mean that really encapsulates perfectly what it means to be obsessed with the customer like what you said it's not about what channel online or offline but ultimately it's about being available being there for the customer so now that where this is where edamama is what's next for edamama nishant
1: yeah so uh as mentioned where you know as you as you pointed out raf we are going offline you know we've opened uh three stores so far uh, so we have a store in uh, a small pop-up kiosk in glorietta in makati uh we have a a larger scale scale full-scale pop-up store in sm south mall uh in las pinas Uh, we just opened our first fixed uh, store at robinson's magnolia uh, and we'll be opening uh, more stores over the next couple of months right Uh, starting with robinson's manila next month um and then many more down the line and so so offline is um is one that is a, a big priority for us over the next couple of years. Uh, the other is scaling our own uh, private label and, and cross-border brands. Uh, you know, Edamama's private label brand is Bean. Uh, we started out with a big focus on fashion, uh, you know, uh, fashion for babies, for kids. Uh, again, uh, an area we saw a gap in the market. Um, and, you know, we, we do uh, exclusive collaborations with up-and-coming Filipino artists to create designs that are one-off, you know, collector item collections. Uh oh. you you uh, we typically don't do another runoff with a lot of Filipino teams, uh right. Um, and then there's many other kind of styles as well that we that we have under that umbrella. Uh and then now we're looking at, at other uh you know other categories of of private label and uh, uh border brands as well. Wherever again where we see gaps in the market, either in assortment or pricing, uh we are we've also launched um the biggest brand in Australia called Anko, which oh. is the house brand of Kmart Australia. So they've, they've launched uh, in the Philippines with Edamama as their authorized distributor. Uh, and uh, they are available in, in many other categories. So they have uh, amazing wooden toys. And so uh, focused on our uh, sort of theme of uh, sustainability and uh, uh, well, at, at affordable prices, right? Uh, they've got uh, amazing gear uh, for for babies, whether it's uh, strollers or porta cots or bassinets or high chairs, uh, you know, uh, training potties and things like that. Uh, and we'll be we'll be looking at uh, opening other categories as well uh, in uh, uh, in the near future.
0: Awesome! I mean, that's very exciting. A lot of things to happen, a lot of things to come. But now, where Adamama is going towards, right? Let's just take a quick pause right now, and I wanna hear from you, Nishan, speaking to fellow startup founders, actually like myself, right? And also other aspiring startup founders, other CEOs, what would be your message for them? And how can the likes of us find ourselves, right, um, following your footsteps and, and to building Edamama to the success that it is today?
1: So, so Rafa, yeah, I think it starts with the first question. Uh, do you want to be a startup founder? <laughs> so oh, think, that
0: is a big question. <laughs> yeah, that's a
1: big question. I mean, you're, you're a founder, you, you know, we both know firsthand, right? This is a, uh, not an easy journey, right? Easy. I mean, <laughs> creating impact, creating uh, something uh, out of nothing, basically, right, is uh uh, is is uh, it's, it's tremendously fulfilling, but at the same time tremendously challenging, right? And you've got to leave a lot of the typical safety net behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that said, uh, if that burning spark is there to have autonomy, to exercise creativity, to create, uh, you know, a lot of impact, um, I, I don't think there's a better time than uh, to, to start a business than now. You know, uh, yes, there's uh, high inflation. Yes, there's fears of a global recession, you know, uh, the slowdowns in in different major economies. Uh, But you know what? A a large percentage of the really big unicorns uh, out there uh, listed today, even on on, uh, public stock exchanges, were formed in downturns. And the reason for that is uh, they had to be, from day one, so much more focused on uh, financial viability, on operating discipline, on um, you know being a lot more sustainable, right? Whereas a lot of startups that were founded over the last decade uh, had access to a lot of cheap cash, a lot of uh, venture fueled uh, money, right? And uh, uh, there was growth at all costs, right? And it was all about uh, acquiring users, acquiring market share, uh, with no uh, sort of adherence to the bottom line, and um, of course we've seen a lot of blowups, uh, spectacular blowups uh, happen uh, over the last couple of years, right? Whether yeah. it's uh, the likes of your WeWorks or to to uh, even smaller uh, sort of but prominent startups, and uh, uh, so so I would say, look, you know, uh, focus on on solving a massive problem or solving a problem that. Is meaningful right over time mm-hmm. you can you can sort of expand the scope of that uh that problem um focus on operating discipline and 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 financial uh viability from from day one because uh, when the market turns and hopefully it it does right uh you're all the more set up to scale up in a, a much more profitable sustainable way um if you can initially start off and, and you know, bootstrap and, uh, you know, great, right? There's a, there's a, a less of your company you have to give up and you're not dealing with managing investors and things like that. But if it is essential to kind of, you know, get a, a an accelerated start, maybe uh, hire a big team, uh, by all means, you know, uh, go out, raise money. I mean, we've raised money from a fantastic set of partners um and the reason for that is right we've optimized for uh values right we've optimized for relationships for chemistry mm. for strategic value add right what can how can this investor uh help me right it's not just about having a big name brand or a, oh, yeah. you know a, a, a fancy surname of a of a super angel right it's about uh how can you really how can this person be a true partner on the journey right true. um so uh That would be my
0: advice. Awesome. Thank you so much, Nishant. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. I wish we could keep on going more. But the good news for our viewers on this episode is that this is just a teaser because you could learn more and catch Nishant in the coming uh, Retail Leaders Summit that's happening very soon. So the good news is you can still catch Nishant there. And so stay tuned with Pra for news and updates for the coming Retail Leaders Summit. And of course, thank you so much, Nishant, for joining us for this episode. We've learned so much. I've learned so much from you and truly, truly inspiring that that story Finding yourself uh, right in the middle of the perfect storm, but still having that obsession for the customer while always keeping in mind, as you mentioned, financial viability, operational discipline, and sustainability to make sure the vision will become a reality. So thank you so much again for joining us today, Nishan. Thank you.
1: Thanks so much for having me Raf and uh, look forward to seeing you at uh, the next uh, PRA summit. Uh, so um, take care everyone. Great to be here. Yes.
0: Awesome. Thank you again Nishant. Again, you can catch Nishant at the coming Retail Leaders Summit. Now, this episode has been truly Truly refreshing and inspiring, and I'm sure I'm not the only one who captured very powerful insights from this conversation. And it's a great and vital reminder for aspiring business leaders out there that embracing change and innovation through pivoting is truly a viable path. And of course, the key is sustainability along the way. Now, never fear, of course, the prospect of creating something new out of nothing, just like what Nishant did, and truly exploring uncharted territory. Always bear in mind that in every setback there lies the opportunity for a remarkable comeback. So that concludes our episode of Let's Talk Retail. We sincerely hope that each one of you has gleaned valuable takeaways that can be applied to your respective businesses regardless of the size please remember to show your support by liking and subscribing to PRA's YouTube channel and following our Spotify account. Again, I'm Raf Layosa, founder and CEO of Retailgate Technologies and managing director of Innovation One Digital Marketing. We'll catch you in the next episode of Let's Talk Retail. Until then, let's continue to build meaningful relationships. See you then.